This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode, wait for it, 152 of the Laravel News podcast. We were just talking about how Michael's audio and video is always so crisp and beautiful. And my audio and video is typically not because it's got to make a trip around the world, halfway around the world to get to Michael's computer, Mm -hmm. which is uh, recording it all and broadcasting it to you lovely folks out there in the internet land. So, yeah, no. It's, Indeed, uh, there's probably a better way. There's probably a better way of doing it. Like, double end, if we could, yeah, both, yeah, we could both push our recording, mm-hmm. like our recording, to. Seems like an awful lot of effort. There are some tools to do yeah. it now, but I've never really looked into it because it's uh, this has worked well enough. But I did realize the other day when I was looking restream, which is the platform that we use Indeed. for yes, yes, sending out our stream to Twitter and 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 Periscope. Well, Periscope doesn't work anymore. True. And so that's what prompted me to look because when we go through Restream, it it doesn't actually send out HD. So despite the fact that I upload a, a full HD 1080 stream, it doesn't ever get to YouTube as a 1080 stream. Yeah, what's the one that you, Nuno uses? They're using like Steamyard or something Steam, like Streamyard. that. Um, Streamyard? Yeah, something along those lines. Let me try that. So... So I use so I use the eCam to go to Restream and then Restream used to go out to YouTube and, and whatever. But because most of our audience is just on YouTube anyway, I'm just streaming directly from eCam to YouTube. So that should change things in terms of quality. Yeah. This this episode. Not that not that it matters, you know, because we've got the audio version and we've got the the video version, which I don't really think gets as much traffic as what the, the audio does, but we do it anyway because you know, you and I have to have a an archive. A video stream to to do it anyway, so we may as well broadcast what we're recording in any event, and then people who, for whatever reason, watch both the YouTube recording and listen to the audio version of the podcast can see what what gets left on the cutting Indeed. room floor. Because sometimes we get lost, we make mistakes. Very common. We, Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, speaking so, of weird stuff on the this live is the stream. raw unedited yeah. copy. Yeah. Speaking of weird stuff on the live stream, I'm actually in my basement right now. Recording in front of a chalkboard <laughs> wall that happens to have a little basketball hoop on it because we have guests over. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, my um, 10 year old is watching Diary of a Wimpy Kid on this TV upstairs next to where I usually record. So, not happening unless you guys wanted to right. hear that, which I don't think you do. Not so, uh, hey, should we uh, jump into it? Shall we? I think we shall. Uh, we want Let's to uh, quickly give a Let's shout out to MailerSend, who is our sponsor for this episode. Thanks, MailerSend, for. Uh, sponsoring mm-hmm. us. We're going to talk a little bit about them later, but they are a transactional email service for your Laravel apps. So we're really excited to have them on the show. First time sponsor. So stick around to hear that a little bit later. Laravel 8.62 is our very first release on the docket for today. They released this with new past PHP test stubs, which I'm very happy about. So if you wanted to make a new PHP test, I think you do uh, PHP artisan make mm-hmm. colon test dash dash pest. And it will generate a new PEST mm-hmm. unit test for you, PEST uh, PHP test for you. But there's also maintenance mode events, a new assertion for soft deletes, and some other changes in the version 8.x branch. So Taylor talked about this on Twitter. He gave a, a good tweet that talked about some of these awesome new features that you can find here. 
And let's talk about the first one, which is retrieving incoming request data as a collection. So this is already in the documentation, which is another part that I really think is cool. And this tweet that Taylor tweeted out, basically, he would give a quick, quick snippet, like a two sentence thing. And then he would just reference the docs like, hey, it's already in the docs. Go check it out. Right. Mm -hmm. So Eric Galloway contributed the ability to retrieve input from the incoming request as a collection. So before you used to have to collect dollar sign request input users, blah, 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 and then each over it. Now you can just say request arrow collect users. So if you're retrieving a um, an array of users that's getting passed through in the request, you can just say request dollar sign, or sorry, sorry, dollar sign request arrow collect, and then that key that you're pulling off, and then you can each over them that way, which is pretty cool. Uh, and there are some additional things inside of the, the documentation that you can read in there. We also have anonymous index blade component templates. So this is a little bit I'm going to do my very best to explain this one. I looked at this one earlier in the week, but Caleb Porzio contributed the ability to use index.blade.php for the default view for an anonymous component pointing to a folder. Okay, so when you're using Blade components, there's pretty much three ways you can do them. Way number one is the class way. So if you generate a brand new Blade component, by default, this is the way that it works. It will generate a class for you Mm -hmm. that is going to be used uh, to pass data into your component. Uh, You will also get a view that will be in your resources, views, components. uh, And the two of those will work together to create a Blade component. You also have the ability to forego the view, and then you can just do an inline template in the render method with the class that you get. Uh, And then the third way is an anonymous component, which is the opposite of that, which is you don't have a class and all you have is a blade component. And that blade component can be referenced using X dash and then whatever its name is. And uh, you reference that in your blade and it will render that component out, which is pretty cool. Very nice. Now, in the documentation, what Caleb was kind of talking about here is you may have something like an accordion where you would have a couple different blade components that you might uh, compose in order to get this ultimate accordion component. Uh, So the way you might do that is you almost would namespace that component. So you'd say components slash accordion slash, you may have item, you may have container, you may have sub item, something like that. Uh, But if you wanted to namespace them, Mm -hmm. there was no really good way to do that previously. But now what you can do is you can have an accordion slash index dot blade dot php and now if you're in your blade file and you do x dash accordion you don't reference any anything else or just x dash accordion it will look for an index dot blade dot php file and it will render that and then all mm-hmm. your sub items you can reference mm-hmm. as x dash accordion dot item or whatever you might have um, so we have updated documentation for more details about that feature, but that's sort of the general overview of it. Michael, anything to add to that yeah. that I missed? I think it, I had to read over this a couple of times to really get my head around it as well. And I think what it boils down to is that before, if you wanted to have like that top level component, but you wanted to group all of the the actual view files, you would have to have like in your resources components, you would have accordion.blade.php. But then all of the the subcomponents would be in resources, components, accordion, slash item.blade.php, and whatever. So what this is doing, I think what really helped me understand it was when Caleb suggested that, think of it like on your web server, uh, where the web server, if you go to like slash uh, laravel-news.com forward slash, 
well, your web server, Nginx or whatever, would look for an index.php file, an index.html file, an index.js file, whatever. So this is kind of like the same thing where it's looking for that index.blade.php file and saying that that is the, the root, the root element. So X dash accordion in this instance. So it just, it just serves to, to be able to group all of those related components together without having to have kind of like the parent or the, the outside container, the accordion component in its own named file, one level up in that, you know, component resource tree. That helps a lot. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, that's a that's a better explanation. Uh, that makes more sense. So, okay. Thank you very much. Mm. Maintenance mode events. Andreas Lundgren contributed maintenance mode events that fire when maintenance mode is enabled or disabled. So if you did not know this, uh, you can see, say, PHP Artisan down or PHP Artisan up. PHP Artisan down will take your uh, web app into a maintenance mode. And you can do different things during maintenance mode. Typically, you're going to respond with a... Um, a certain status code and a status page that would say, hey, the web server is currently unavailable, you know, and then you can customize that page if you care to. Uh, but now this will dispatch a maintenance mode enabled event or a maintenance mode disabled event. We also have a, contr- a contribution by Francisco Madeira that contributed a assert not soft deleted, which asserts that a given record has not been soft deleted. Uh, we also have pretend flag added to model prune. Shalva contributed a dash dash pretend method to the model.prune command. So if you did not know about this, which Terry talked about, and we've talked about this previously as well, there's now a model prune command, which you, if you implement uh, mass prunable uh, or a prunable trait on a model, uh, then you can define a method. I don't remember what it is exactly, but anyway, you can then run a, uh, a command on the command line in your scheduler, like every minute or every day. For model colon prune and then it will uh, prune off any old records that you don't need anymore uh, so with this you can say dash dash pretend and then this will tell you the number of records that would match your prunable query right so now that i'm looking at it it's the prunable method so you'd say use prunable mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then you have a prunable method and it would then uh, use that query to determine which methods or sorry which models could be pruned off of that database table so now dash dash pretend will tell you how many that would have uh, deleted. Okay. A couple more here. Mm-hmm. Make pending mail conditional. So Ryan Chandler contributed updating the pending mail class to use the conditionable trait, which lets you use the when or unless methods while configuring the email before calling send or queue. So if you're doing mail colon colon or actually pending mail colon colon, now you can use, uh, you should send this when or you should send this unless and you can chain that uh, fluently before you call the send of the queue method. Send being sent immediately, queue being sent to the queue. All right. Then last, what we talked about at the beginning, which is the dash dash pest option when using make test. And that finishes and wraps that one up. So um, you can see the diff between 8.61 and 8.62 on GitHub if you're interested, as well as any of the things that were reverted, fixed, changed, added, et cetera, et cetera on GitHub. There we go. Perfect. Perfect. Speaking of new releases this is this is an exciting one this is the first alpha release of tailwind css version 3 which dropped uh, on a friday afternoon so good work to the the tailwind team for wrapping up another i guess their their six-week cycle that they're on there so adam wathen announced the first alpha release of tailwind v3 they've been working hard to add awesome new features and make the existing features even better some of the new features that have been flagged as favorite here by jason beggs is that jit G-I-G-I-Joe, <laughs> JIT mode, 
is the new default way that Tailwind will be compiled. So this was introduced mm-hmm. as a plugin initially in Tailwind V1. It was added as a a mode switch in Tailwind V2, and in Tailwind V3, it will be the default way of compiling your application. Uh, sorry, your your CSS. Yeah, your Tailwind CSS. So this means that essentially all of the utilities will always be available, but rather than running a build that's going to build all of the styles that you have configured in your Tailwind config, it's going to look at the at the files, so your, your JavaScript, your PHP, your Blade files for the, the, the Tailwind classes that you are actually using and compile them into the CSS. So this keeps your development really fast. It keeps your uh, CSS files very concise in that they're only ever going to include the things that you need. So this is a great way of rapidly prototyping and building out your CSS without having to worry about having a 6 meg or a 10 meg or a 12 meg Tailwind CSS file because it's going to have only the things you need in there. It's going to account for all of your variants, your utilities, your um, screen breakpoints and all that kind of stuff. So it'll take care of that. So this will be by default in Tailwind V3. On the back of that, there's also the new just-in-time CDN. So there will be a CDN build of Tailwind that you could point your app to and use that. And this would be great for, for rapid prototyping. It's not recommended for production or anything like that, but you could point Tailwind, uh, point your application to, at the CDN CSS, and that way you can just do the same kind of thing without having to set up any build steps. So this is going to be great for, as I said, rapid prototyping, but also for people just trying to pick up Tailwind for the first time without having to worry about how do I set it up? How do I bring it into my Laravel project? How do I set up you know, a, a, a Nuxt or a Next or a View or whatever? Just point straight to you know cdn.tailwind or whatever it is um, and go from there. So that's really cool. There's also new scroll snap utilities and a new file variant for styling file upload buttons, which is always a horrendous experience. Um, and I think also they've added some new flex basis utilities as well. Yeah, Tailwind, I saw that. Um, yeah. Adam kind of ninja that in yep. last minute. So um, as always, the Tailwind team did a great job keeping the breaking changes to a minimum. But there are some changes to the purge configuration. Some color names may need to be changed. So they've uh, all, all of the colors now will be included. So before we had the extended palette, which had like 15 or 20 different colors. These will all be included now. But because of that just-in-time compilation, unless you're using them, they won't end up in your CSS file. Overflow clip has been renamed to text clip and post-CSS version 7 is no longer supported. So th- there's already been some great new features announced. Uh, I'm sure there'll be more to come in V3. You can check out the full details in the release notes on GitHub. Take it for a spin. Let the Tailwind Tailwind team know if you run into issues and encourage them by letting them know which new features are your favorite. And I I mentioned this on on Twitter as well. The the Tailwind Labs team does an incredible job of putting out these major releases, which by all accounts should include all of the breaking changes, but they keep the breaks to a minimum. Um, they do a fantastic job of making the upgrade path as smooth as possible. And they Adam puts a huge amount of detail into the release notes. And that's because of the considered approach that they put into to actually building the tooling and and really focusing on the developer experience of, of using Tailwind. So congratulations to them. Um, it's amazing. I quipped that, you know, they've, they've now got a million downloads a week of, Holy cow. of Tailwind. That's crazy. And Adam... And, you know, when Adam started this, it was just like this side thing that he was copy-pasting between his projects as he was building out, you know, failed SaaS after failed SaaS. <laughs> and I said, you know, the sucker you are, I now start downloading this million download a week CSS utility library until the day you die. So 
congratulations to Adam and, and the team there. They've done a fantastic job with with this tool that so many of us are using, not only in in our little Laravel community, but in all parts oh, yeah, of the webinar, sure. it's starting to pop up on more and more yep. major websites and things yeah, like that. Yeah, it so, really outgrew well done. its little niche here, right? It got used here and then it just yep. went... Yep. Uh, and I think they were really intentional about that too. I know that Adam and Steve really kind of did branch out to like different mm-hmm. conferences and things like that on purpose, like uh, early on to kind of get wider adoption. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think it's paid off for sure. Hey, um, can you yeah. talk to me a little about the JIT CDN? I'm not sure if I understand what that is, or and I'm not sure if you've read into that much, but I'm not sure what that means. Um, does it do JIT for you? Like the CDN does it mm-hmm. for you? Yep. So Marcel, yeah, I was going to say Marcel sort of, yeah, did this originally. He built something like this that that gave you the ability to do that. So yeah, you would point at the the CDN link. I think it's just a, a Vercel app okay. at the moment. So you would point your your style tag at that, and then it will just work and build your CSS for you based on what you're using in your HTML. So uh, as far as I'm aware, it all works with Blackmagic and Voodoo, <laughs> but the the main thing to take, the two main takeaways, number one, don't use it for production. It's a bad idea because it's going to recompile CSS every time, which is going to make your site slow. But number two, and most importantly, as I said, it's going to really speed up that that on-ramp time in terms of being able to just go to a website and use it in your own application. And, you know, where, where you've got the Tailwind Playground, where you can kind of put together bespoke templates with with the the configuration there, this is really saying, okay, this is my app and I'm going to use the the Tailwind CSS CDN build to just build it out using Tailwind. Um, and, and, you know, within your own environment, on your own computer, being able to build that out really quickly without, as I said, having to set up the build tool chain, without having to set up NPM or... Um, you know, Laravel Mix or or any of the other multitude of build tooling that's out there these days. That's really cool. I wonder who's footing the bill for that. Is, Vers- is Vercel like uh, sponsoring Tailwind Labs or something? I'm curious. I wonder how that works. I don't know. This is gonna, that's going to get expensive quick, right? I mean, with as many people, a million downloads a, mm-hmm. uh, a week, you said? Or a million downloads a day? Well, I mean, that's assuming a million million people are, are going to be doing that. Oh, sure. Yeah. And know, I don't... Using yeah, the I CDN build. People, I'm just saying like, in general, if it's that popular, you know, there's going to be a, uh, you know, more than just a handful of people hitting the Vercel mm. app version of it. So, mm. yeah, that's all I'm saying. Mm. Anyway, interesting. That's very cool. We'll see how we go. Um, yeah, I would say, honestly, probably the biggest breaking change here is probably the post CSS 7 and the color names. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, again, that's really minimal for a major version change. Mm-hmm. So, good job, team. Good job. It's minimal. And, and because they're all configurable anyway, you know, if your gray was alias to like one of the neutral grays or one of the other grays, you can just update your config and keep going as though nothing happened. Yeah. It almost does feel like that's a best practice at some point. Like to, it's sort of like mm-hmm. that whole like um, polymorphic relationship thing. It's sort of like what it feels like to me, how referencing not the name of the class, but a morph map. You know, it's sort of like yeah. a color map yeah. in your own app would make it so that this mm-hmm. might be a little bit more simple to upgrade if you sure. didn't use one yeah. of the default color names, which I know is sort of like, it's really nice to use the default color names, but when they change them, which mm-hmm. they've done a couple of times, yeah, it makes it can make yeah. it a little bit difficult. Especially if you're doing something like, you know, primary, secondary, right. and if you're using primary as gray, but gray is now, you know, cool gray, then you just need to change it to slate or yeah, whatever, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. it's a minor one-self thing and only at the time the upgrade mm-hmm. really. Interesting. Okay. Sorry. Moving on here. Laravel Worldwide Meetup. 
So this was on the 28th, so it has already passed. So if you did not check it out, uh, it was at 1830 UTC or 230 Eastern or 130 Central or I don't know what time Michael's time. Who cares? Just kidding. Middle of the night. Middle of the night. (laughs) So uh, if you don't know what the Worldwide Meetup is, this is a live streaming YouTube channel. And they had some excellent speakers and topics lined up for the last meetup. We had Luke Downing and Aaron Francis, who are both community member rock stars. And they uh, both presented some pretty cool topics. So Luke talked about pest to perfection. This is how to write next level tests. He says, you're up and running with pest PHP. Great job. However, there are so many hidden gems that pest has to offer. And in this talk, we'll go over some of the more advanced pest features that can turn good tests into great tests. Luke Downing also has a YouTube channel called Pest in Practice. I think he's up to episode six now. So uh, Luke has really jumped on the pest bandwagon and is a great advocate for pests. So if you haven't heard any of his stuff, definitely check that out. Aaron Francis, uh, who has been a guest on our other podcast, North Meet South, uh, talks. Uh, his talk is a little bit of Lambda, managing AWS Lambda functions with Laravel Sidecar. So in this session, uh, he took his popular Laravel Sidecar package uh, through its paces on the air, and uh, showed us all how you can actually use that in production. And this is really, really cool. And I'm not sure, I haven't been able to listen to the talk yet. I don't know how much he goes in depth as far as how exactly it works. I'm guessing he probably does uh, go in depth. He's He covered it in a fair bit of detail. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's I, pretty I good at it. I through it, had it going in the background. Yeah. He, he and both, both he and Luke presented really well. Um, Luke's done a few presentations in different places now that I've seen here and there. I think this was Aaron's first sort of public presentation that I'd seen him give, and he did a, a great job, fraught with danger, of course, because he was relying um, on you know, his yeah, internet connection exactly. and AWS exactly. being working. Yeah. But I, I think you know Aaron's going to present at Alaricon at some oh, point for sure. in the future. I think Luke will present somewhere at Alaricon as Absolutely. well. They're, they're very good presenters, and they, and they get their messages across really well. So congrats to both of them on the work that they did with their presentations. Check them out. As you said, there's a, there, it was recorded. It's a recorded event, so you can go and check it out at the uh, Laravel Worldwide website or on YouTube. We'll have links to all of that in the show notes. Absolutely. All right, my friend, on to packages. What do we got? Mm. Laravel Kafka is a package for using Apache Kafka producers and consumers in your Laravel application with ease. Using a publish on method, you can fluently configure and publish message payloads. So for those of you who don't know, Jake, I know that you've used Kafka before. Ah, you know what? I've, I feel like well, I've looked, looked into it. Yes, I, I spent a good amount of time looking into it, but I have not mm-hmm. utilized it. No. Right. So Apache Kafka is a... I can't click on add links from my computer because they all get blocked. Um, Apache Kafka is an open source distributed event streaming platform used by thousands of companies for high-performance data pipelines, streaming analytics, data integration, and mission-critical applications. So I don't know exactly what so it is, like, but think like, it's very like useful. Global-level event sourcing, like I say global-level, because it's right, like, a, right, it's, like okay. a, um, it's open source, uh, but I think it's like a product too. So um, mm, It's an Apache. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, the way that I understand it is all of your event, all of your applications publish events. And these events are go into like channels or mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what they call it, a topic. I think it's a topic. And then any of your applications that are interested in subscribing to those topics, whatever, can then pull down information from those topics and then consume them, right? So event sourcing, you throw all your mm-hmm. events up there and then anything that needs to know about it can subscribe to those. So it's PubSub, 
global pub sub. Like it's not just like sure. at the application cool. level or whatever. It's it's like, you know, you can push it all the way out there. Like maybe like mm-hmm. pusher, but not exactly like pusher. So yeah, that's the best way I can like event sourcing at a high level, I think between applications. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I assume using this is a bit of a, a kludge normally, but this package from, uh, I don't know, we have a name here. Matthias Jungers. Uh, so he, he's put this one together. It comes with all of the things you'd expect of a Laravel package, a facade. Uh, you can inject your own builder in there and do it that way. So if, you're, if you've looked at using Kafka in your applications or you are using Kafka and you want to streamline the approach a little bit, maybe get rid of uh, some of your own code that handles it and use something that's a little bit more standardized with a few more eyeballs on it, definitely check this one out. Under the hood, the package requires the RD Kafka extension, which provides a production-ready, fast Kafka client for PHP. But as with everything, you can learn more about the package, get the installation instructions, and view the source code on GitHub. Very cool. We will have links to that in the show notes. Yeah, I think this is like sort of something you can do instead of making a bunch of API endpoints between microservices or something like that and having them talk through that. You can basically have mm-hmm. a schema sort of event that you push up to this, you know, thing up in the cloud. And then anything that wants to can just go consume those as they care to. So like, um, mm-hmm. you know, queued, I don't know queued jobs I, like I get what you're saying yeah it's, it's easier easier like especially pushing things between applications you got it that's, in, that's exactly in a past right. life yeah. we would have like a Laravel app where you would upload a file which would then push a job onto a queue which would then be picked up by a completely different non-Laravel application sure. to then process that video file yep. so this yeah I can see it from that perspective where pushing things between as you say microservices or different you know internal applications or whatever you know having some kind of common bus that you can push those things onto and have anything that that needs to listen to it and and deal with it is is a seems like a dream yeah, to me. exactly <laughs> yeah so i might actually need to start looking at that again uh we've got quite a few of applications that need to talk between each other and it gets annoying after a little bit so anyway mm-hmm. all right we've got an enhanced postgres postgre is that is that postgre postgres how do you say it postgres yeah just postgres okay postgres driver for laravel so Tobias Petri uh, tweeted, I finished a large chunk on improving the enhanced Postgres, post, yeah, PostgreSQL driver for Laravel PHP. The new version has a lot of new indexing functionality to make your database queries really fast and use all the power of Postgres. Uh, so he has all the new features explained one by one in his, in his tweets. He's got a little tweet stream there. And uh, while in some applications you want to support multiple database drivers uh, using Eloquent, this package can offer additional features if you're going to opt into making your application Postgres specific. It offers various index features mm-hmm. such as partial index support, including columns and index storage parameters, and all those things that are specific uh, to Postgres itself, right? So um, it's sort of like when you use SQLite and you use MySQL, it's sort of, you know, you're using both of them possibly. Uh, once you know SQLite for testing in memory and then MySQL for your actual production stuff, you end up running into walls sometimes because SQLite mm-hmm. doesn't support all of the features that MySQL does. But Eloquent supports both of them, right? But you don't get all the benefits of MySQL if you're going to use SQLite for testing because you're kind of doing both, right? So what he's saying here is if you decide to go all in on Postgres, you get all of the features of Postgres, but you kind of got to go, it's mm-hmm. all, you can't really go halfway because you know then you then you don't yeah. get all the benefits of it yeah. right 
if you put if you put something in your migration that is Postgres specific, you cannot test it using SQL. You got it exactly right. Basically, yeah. so besides, these- you, I mean, you run into the same limitations with MySQL, but Postgres offers a whole heap of extra stuff. Like this example here, that's talking about you know partial indexes where you could index a table, but do that only for things that are not you know a specific user ID, and you want to deduplicate items so you don't like index the same thing multiple times and things like that. All of these things that are that are built into Postgres. You know, to make it a a more performant, uh, a more fully featured SQL server. You know, if you're going to buy into all of that, then then go for, for it. For sure. Yep. So besides those features, the package includes multiple column types that are available in Postgres, like bit strings or case insensitive texts, like things for like emails, H store, IP networks, international product numbers, label trees, ranges, XML, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Lots of good stuff in the README, and uh, you can check out the source code on GitHub, of course, as it's open source. So. Thanks very much, Tobias. <laughs> Appreciate that. Excellent. Next up, we have the Laravel cross-eloquent search package that allows you to search through multiple eloquent models in one go. The package supports sorting, pagination, scoped queries, eager loading of relationships, and searching through multiple or single columns. It's a package from a company called Proton Media. They're based, uh, they're a Dutch company, so based in Amsterdam. Um, and so this allows you to do things like search, colon, colon, new, arrow, uh, arrow, <laughs> arrow, add, uh, post, colon, colon, class, comma, title. And then you can also search video and title and then get and, and do, uh, do a search across these things. So rather than doing uh, unions and things like that manually or, or running multiple queries, this all handles all that for you and gives you a nice expressive syntax to do so. It will handle, as I said, pagination and, and package makes doing so nice and simple. So you can do search, add, um, again, the post title, so search the post model for the title string, search the video model for the title string, and then you just call paginate like you would with any other eloquent query. The readme has tons of information about this package that you should check out, including searching through one or more eloquent models, support for cross-model pagination, searching through single or multiple columns, order by cross-model columns or by relevance, using constraints and scope queries, eager loading relationships for each model, in database sorting of the combined results and zero third-party dependencies. So this is all using Eloquent under the hood. You can learn more about the package, get the installation instructions, and view the source code on GitHub. The author of the package also wrote a blog post that goes into detail on using that. We'll have links to all of that juicy information in the show notes. Very good. We've got a new package here that allows you to send email with Exchange Web Services in Laravel. So if you uh, are if you have like a maybe an on-prem exchange web server that sends your email uh, and you'd like to be able to utilize that in order to send emails from your Laravel app, you can now do that. So Raju at LHG put this one together and the Laravel package is a wrapper around the PHP EWS composer package standing for EWS, of course, exchange web services. So it's a small package with one class responsible for sending mail uh, via EWS. You can check out the Exchange Mail Server class for how it's built, uh, but would also like to point out that this package requires the SOAP PHP extension in order to work. So if you can't install that, uh, you wouldn't probably be able to use this, but that's a dependency of the PHP EWS package. So in order to use it, you have to have SOAP PHP. You also have to configure your EWS host, username, password, and client version. But once you do all that, 
you can then send any emails from your Laravel app using Exchange Web Services. So if you happen to be a person who's stuck in that position, you can definitely use this in order to utilize your on-prem server in order to send those. And I could be wrong. Maybe it's possible you don't have an on-prem one. Maybe it's in the cloud. I would think if you had one in the cloud, you'd be using something like Office 365, uh, in which case you have APIs to interact with those things and probably don't need all these things like soap and all that stuff. Um, so in any case, that's my take on it. Thanks, Raju. Looks good. All right. Perfect. This episode is sponsored by our new friends over at MailSend, which is a new transactional email service for Laravel developers who like to work smarter using a reliable email API and flexible infrastructure that lets you scale quickly with pay-as-you-go pricing. MailSend has a well-developed email API that Laravel fans will love. You can integrate email sending in minutes thanks to an easy setup and super clean documentation. And once you've set it up, you can pretty much forget about it. Mailer Send's official Laravel driver means that you don't have to reinvent the wheel when sending emails from your apps. There are also official SDKs for major programming languages such as PHP, Go, Python, Ruby, Java, and Node.js. So you're able to make pull requests and contribute to the GitHub projects if you need any functionality across those platforms. Mailer Send is intuitively designed so that anyone in your team can create emails from marketers working with email templates using a drag and drop editor to developers who can focus on the back end like defining variables for personalization. And one of the key benefits that sets MailerSend apart is its extensive logging capabilities, which means that developers can search a real-time activity feed to troubleshoot sending issues. You can check the status of emails to see if they were delivered or bounced and then filter them by recipient, subject line, date range, and more. The best part, MailerSend offers a free plan where you get to send 12,000 emails per month for free and pay just a dollar per thousand emails for anything that you use beyond that. Plus, customers are raving about the 24-7 support that is included at no extra charge. I'm keen to check this out. It's a it's a super clean looking website. It looks like the, the tooling is right. If you're in that 12,000 emails or less bracket, perhaps check this out. Uh, our new friends at MailerSend, you can check them out at MailerSend.com. You're right, man. The site does look super clean. Super, super clean. Looks like their dashboards mm. are mm-hmm. gorgeous, which... Again, that's not like the make or break, but it certainly tells you something about the product, right? When when the site looks amazing, it certainly tells you if it's been worked exactly. on recently. You know, exactly. Some of some of the some of the incumbents, you can kind of look at it and know that they've they're kind of part of the furniture and they've been around for a long time. Whereas, you know, not not to say that it looks good means you know it's new and shiny and it's something that you should jump on immediately. But these, you know, it's not a fly by night operation. The MailerSend is part of the remote company. So they have been around for a period of time as well. So yeah, definitely definitely check that out. So uh, it's worth a look. Yep. For sure. I've definitely got a project in mind that I'm going to probably be using this on in the next week. I'll let you know how it goes next time. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've got the Laravel Open API Validator. So everyone loves someone who's always true to their word, right? When you open up a public API to the world from your application, it's really important to know that you stay true two word there as well. What other applications can you do? uh, Or sorry, what can other applications do with your API and how do they do it? Uh, Well, that's what Open API Validator is supposed to help solve. It takes your Open API spec that you've got that you got out there and then it will make sure that your API meets up with an Open API spec. Uh, so you may want to read up on exactly what that is. There's a great overview. Sorry, that as far as the API, open API spec that is, uh, you can. There's a great overview on SmartBear, which is the company behind the open API specification, which was formerly called Swagger. And so now, what you can do, as stated, 
is using uh, Laravel's HTTP helpers, uh, you can validate your open API documentation by using this package, it looks like. It's a, it's a, little it's bit a of, tutorial it's a little bit about the package. Yeah, okay. Yeah. There you go. Yep, Zach yep. Tesca, which is a senior who is a senior developer at Kirschbaum, which is a sponsor of many things in the Laravel world. Uh, so good people over there at Kirschbaum, they sponsor Laravel News, they sponsor Laracons all the time. So mm-hmm. they definitely know what they're talking about. Uh, if this is an interesting, if those words mean anything to you, you're going to know that this is something that you might want to take a look at. So if you need an open API validator, here you go. Write your open API spec, run this against it, check to make sure that it all works. Ta-da, you're done. There we go. Perfect. Okay, let's move on, my friend. Next up, JSON RPC server is a package to build a JSON RPC version 2 APIs using the Laravel framework. The package is designed to integrate a lightweight remote procedure call protocol that is simple to use. Now, as far as I'm aware, RPC is basically ping an endpoint and tell it run some arbitrary stuff on the other end. It's been a very long time since I've done anything RPC myself, but... If this is something that you need to, the package can also help ease building a JSON RPC API with the following features. Authentication, data validation within procedures, API documentation generation, parameter binding resolution in procedures, including Laravel's juicy model binding, feature testing of JSON RPC procedures, and a gzip compression middleware. As always, links, install instructions, source code on GitHub, all of that stuff will be in our show notes. Check that out. Very nice. We've got another package here called Advanced Container Package for Laravel. So I remember this being, I mean, and containers aren't specific to Laravel. Uh, There are other containers. But if you don't know what Mm -hmm. the Laravel container is, this is something that really will level up your development skills, not only when it comes to Laravel, but when it comes to the idea of, oh, what's it called? Great. Now that I'm like, so like, I'm talking about all the benefits of this inversion of control. There we go. Understanding the concept of inversion of control, Mm -hmm. which is hugely powerful, right? But advanced container for Laravel is a package that provides syntax sugar for Laravel container calls, bindings, and more. Should we talk about what a container is real quick, Michael? Should we talk about people for for people? Okay, we should. You you recently rewrote one or actually wrote one from scratch. So I'm going to let you give us a quick uh, 101 class on what the container is and Mm -hmm. why it's important. So in the context of Laravel especially, the container is where we kind of bind concrete implementations to interfaces. So we're we're normally in a legacy kind of application, you might, inside a a method or a a function or whatever, you might say, you know, dollar cache equals new cache. And then you would instantiate a specific cache, whether you're using um, a file system driver or you're using a MongoDB driver or Dynamo or whatever, you would new up that specific thing. Um, you might get fancy and have like a a, a factory pattern to to give you a, a certain thing based on your environment or whatever, where the the container is where you kind of bind all of these things together. So you can say, I have a cache interface and I want to bind something to that within the context of the container. So a concrete implementation being the specific... Like a Redis cache. Uh, the, the specific cache store, like a Redis cache. So in in your app service provider you would have something along the lines of um, app bind or app singleton or um, app scoped or whatever. So you would have app bind and then you would give it the name of the the interface and then you would say bind this to 
either a class name or a, a closure and there's some resolute re- resolving behavior there. So if you have to pass in an API key or a username and password or something like that, you could do that within the closure. And that way within any of your methods, you could type hint the interface and Laravel would resolve the concrete implementation based on that binding, which means, which as you said, it's incredibly powerful because you can swap these things out at runtime within your your environment. You could have, you know, per user or per team or per project settings where you could swap these things out based on that kind of stuff, particularly useful for um, notifications or sending an email. And even more so in your testing, you could swap out implementations yeah, exactly. of things. So this yeah. is kind of how the the facades work, you know, with, with, the, with the test mocks where you like could swap out call and call in your fake. testing, like storage fake and things like that, where you could say, um, have like a, a billing gateway and you could swap out a live Stripe implementation with like a, a, a stubbed version that will always return some dummy data to you that you can run your test assertions at without having to make out API calls to Stripe. Um, so the container really is just a way of gluing that all together and giving you back specific concrete implementations based on abstract inferences. So the interfaces or, or whatever. You could you could bind a concrete class to totally. a string. You could say, you know, have like, for example, you could have a, an array of Stripe plans stored in a file somewhere and you could say like bind app, uh, bind Stripe plans to a string and say like whenever I say app stripe.plans, return me a collection of these things. So, you know, all these kinds of things that you can do with the container that, that are much easier and they're, and they're sort of streamlined and, and all in one place. Yep. So. so you can chuck anything you um, want up into that container, if, like literally anything you want up in there. And mm-hmm. then it allows you to retrieve it from anywhere from the container, right? And it allows you to swap yep. anything yep. that's in the container from anywhere in your in your application as well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. really, really powerful yep. stuff. And like once you get your head around sort of what that what those advantages are that that gives you, um, you're going to feel like you have superpowers. So they're really cool. But this package, basically, when we say syntax sugar, it just means that it's going to give you a little bit nicer API maybe for doing some of the most common functions mm-hmm. that you would typically do. So when Michael said typically you're going to do app yeah. uh, bind and then you're going to pass the name of the instance or I'm sorry, the interface. And then, you know, maybe you say function, you return to closure, whatever. This The way that this one works is you would say bind and then give the interface. And then you'd say two, and then you give your concrete implementation, right? So instead of having to say app, bind, mm-hmm. blah, 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 you just say bind interface to service, right? Or bind mm-hmm. interface singleton service. So only resolve it one time. Bind interface scoped service. So now you have a scoped instance. So with this package, you can also do method binding using the packages syntax sugar to do things like performing calls to your service through the container and overriding method behavior. So uh, a basic call would look like call, and then you give your service class name, and then you call your method. Um, You can override the method behavior. So you could say bind service class. Oh, man, I've already done it, haven't I? I've already started to talk about the code as if like people could see it on the screen with me. So (laughs) it's a bit tough to explain, isn't it? It essentially gives you the ability to override override specific methods within. So where we say like we're going to bind the service class, the interface to the container, and then you and then you resolve it from the container. So call service class from there. This allows you to specifically override that one method, so that when you call that, so in a test, rather than having to override the Mm -hmm. entire class and have have a partial mark a test version of that class, you could have effectively a partial mock where you're saying, okay, 
in my setup method of my test, I'm going to bind to the container this specific method. That way, when it gets pulled out again, it's going to call that implementation of the method, which could return some, you know, static data, you know, test A, B, test one, two, three, or whatever, so that you can test, make an assertion against test one, two, three in your code rather than some randomly generated value. So this is, this is quite nice being able to do this kind of stuff. It certainly streamlines the thing. As, as I said, I know, you know, you're a big proponent of the, like the test billing gateway yeah. and things like that. We've worked through that kind of stuff before. So this kind of streamlines that even further where you don't have to stub out the entire right. class to test yep. one method, right? You know, if you're testing one method here or there, you can just stub out that method in your test and then it'll get returned to you straight away when you call it out of the container. So definitely check that out. It's, that's something that's going to provide some nice syntax. I wonder if we'll see any of this stuff kind of wind up in the framework. Yeah, what surprised me, it seems like the best ideas that come out of the community end up getting integrated in, right? And so, yeah, this mm-hmm. is a really cool one. Looks like it's, um, you know, it seems pest-ish, right? It just reads like, hey, this is exactly what mm-hmm. you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, looks really nice. Yeah, uh, great work on that. I'm not sure who to give who to give credit to on that one. Uh, let's see here, Michael Rubel. Thanks, Michael. Good job. It's like those, it's those Michaels. Great work, Michael. You know? Good, solid dudes. Those Michaels. Always doing yeah. Mikey stuff. <laughs> on to the tutorials. The first one we have here is one from Chris Vidal on using SQS, so Amazon's mm, scalable queuing mm-hmm. service. I think uh, FIFO queues first in, first out. So, oh, sorry, simple queue service. AWS's simple queue service is a great high-scale and extremely inexpensive way to get reliable queues. But the one minor quibble with SQS is that you can't guarantee what order jobs will be processed in. So if there are 10 jobs in the queue, you don't know which job a queue worker will be given. So with, with Redis, if you're using Laravel Horizon, for example, jobs will get pulled off. So if you go 10 jobs in, the first job that was put in will get pulled out, then the second, then the third, then the fourth. Whereas with SQS, it kind of all goes in and it all comes out. SQS doesn't guarantee the order that things were put onto the queue is the order that they'll come off of the queue. And so for many applications, that's fine. Um, if your jobs are potent, if they don't rely on each other one after the other. I mean, if they do, in this instance, you can use Laravel job chaining, but it doesn't always work. So in this example that, that Chris has given in, in this tutorial, in Chipper CI, which is a Laravel-specific uh continuous integration platform, they need to process builds in the order that are received and they have to wait on incoming webhooks that can come in at any time. And so they can't simply just add it, add it to a, a job chain, but they do rely on SQS FIFO queues. So they're a little bit more expensive in terms of uh, Amazon cost, but they do guarantee that your things will be processed in a in a specific order. And that's that's kind of important, especially if you're writing tests for your code and you're running that you know in local and in your testing, you're doing it against a sync thing, so everything always goes in and out in the same order. And then you get to production and suddenly things go go wild because they're not there. So um, you can configure FIFO queues. You can use group IDs to make sure that things all happen in the same order. I'm not going to go into it because there's quite a bit of detail here, uh, but it also talks about a SQS FIFO package from Shift1 Labs, which you can check out. So it goes into a bit of detail, talks about how and why you'd want to do this um, and, and how you could implement it as well. So definitely check that out. Thanks to... Chris, who is teaching coding and servers at Cloudcast and Servers for Hackers and is the co-founder of Chipper CI. Indeed, indeed. So have you ever heard of Lumen? Folks out there, if you have not heard of Lumen, that means that you were not in the scene as of 2015, which at the time, it was a big deal. It was a lighter, faster version of Laravel, specifically sort of built for APIs. 
Uh, but since that release, Laravel itself has been getting faster and faster. And new things like Laravel Octane have come out, which makes it faster than Lumen. So the answer to the question, should you use Lumen today, was summed up by Taylor on Twitter. And he says this, I get a fair amount of questions about Lumen. If you need a little speed boost over plain Laravel, and be sure that you actually need this first, then I suggest using Laravel plus Octane. That combination is faster than Lumen. And so Eric is just writing this. Eric Barnes, our fearless leader, to remind you that Laravel is super fast. In fact, probably way faster than what you'd need for 80% of all use cases. But there are times where you need to get mm-hmm. that extra performance boost. And in that case, typically Laravel and Octane is going to be the way to go. And just remember that premature optimization mm-hmm. um, like, is the root of all evil, is what Eric would say here, right? Until you've hit the point where you've maxed everything out. Remember, like, Basic things like your database queries and your element, your eloquent queries are typically going to cause more performance issues than you realize, right? One easy thing to do is to yeah. fix any N plus one issues that you might have. And um, Mohammed Sayed recently made this really easy because you can now disable lazy loading by default in your app service provider. Uh, and we will have, we do have information mm-hmm. about that. We've talked about it a couple of times on here, uh, but that's a really great way to make it more obvious uh, where those issues are going to be and make sure you get those fixed. So mm-hmm. hopefully that helps. Uh, and then the last one we got. I think, I think key sorry, yeah, sure. just on this, I think key to, to all of this is to remember that when Lumen came out in April of 2015, we were still in PHP True. five. It was a, a the, the language itself was much slower. It was it was slower to boot up the framework. It was slower to process requests and all of this kind of stuff. Laravel 7 came out. We were leaps and bounds ahead. And and the language has moved such that with, you know, the, the language improvements, the speed improvements of the language, the better memory usage and things like that, on top of, you know, improvements in the framework, on top of, again, we've gone PHP 7, PHP 8 now. And now we've got tooling like, Octane on top of Swool and Roadrunner, where where you're not booting up the framework, having having the full stack framework is not the slow, you know, relatively slow thing that it once was when Lumen came out. So, whilst Lumen is probably still okay if you are guaranteed to only ever be doing an API, um, you know, you don't want views, you don't need Eloquent, maybe you're you're bolting on top of an existing database or something like that. Lumen is still plenty fast enough but the second you think that you need eloquent or the second you think you want to return a view lumen is effectively useless to you that's not to say that if you already have a lumen api in production that you should scrap it and rewrite it if it's working for you it's working for you keep going but right now you know the the second slash third of october 2021 at the time of this recording would i start a new application on lumen probably not and i think that's the that's the key thing to remember if you're starting something new now, six years later, right, um, probably Laravel is going to serve you just fine. And then if you ever do need to add something, you know, if you want to start sending email or you want to do any of this stuff that isn't included in Lumen, um, either, you know, it's turned off by default or it's just not there, then you've got to, you know, make the track and you've got to like migrate your Lumen app to Laravel. So keep that in mind um, when whenever you're starting to think that maybe Lumen is not Yep, good idea. Good points. Good points. All right. Mr. Dorinda, close us out with this AWS PHP. The AWS PHP SDK. This is another one it I think indeed. from Chris Fidel. It is. And so Chris is talking about uh, how AWS, 
AWS has SDKs for almost all popular languages, including PHP. The SDKs will behave very similarly using the same API calls and parameters. And whilst generally the SDKs do a nice job of taking advantage of each language's strengths, using the SDK itself is simpler than you might think. And so Chris goes through uh, configuring credentials in your environment, making commands to to call specific things, uh, waiters. One of the overlooked features of the SDK is waiters, which let you wait until a resource has reached a certain state, which is useful to get around times where you might find yourself rating things like, while server is not running yet, check if server is running and then spinning around and around and around. And Chris says, trust me, you'll end up writing code like this when coding against AWS. But waiters aren't always well documented and depending on the SDK, uh, PHPs are fortunately documented. For example, on the EC2 page, you can scroll down to see the available waiters at the bottom of the page and you'll see the instance running waiter. Note that it tells us this waiter uses the described instances API operation, which means the parameter we pass it are ones used for that API call. And he goes into describing that. But there is a repository of AWS SDK examples across several popular languages. So if you've ever wanted to do anything, you know, deeper with AWS SDK specifically, I know that Chris is deep in that at the moment with this, with the work he's doing, putting together the Cloudcasts course. Uh, definitely check this out. I know that sometimes the SDK code itself isn't particularly nice because they're not necessarily writing the SDK. They're generating it from, you know, API descriptions because... This is the quickest way of building the SDK out across all of the languages that they support. But the functionality is is quite good in, in the SDK. So if you if you want to peruse that further, definitely check out the blog post and then put on your swimming suit and go diving. There we go. All right, folks. I think that's all we've got for today. This was episode 152. You mm-hmm. can check out show notes for this episode at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 152. If you'd like to give us any comments, you can hit us up on Twitter at Michael Dorinda, at Jacob Bennett, or at Laravel News. And as always, if you enjoyed the show, which we really hope you did, we would ask that you give us five stars in your podcatcher of choice. That would be much, much, much appreciated. Shout out again to MailerSend and uh, that amazing transactional email service. We appreciate the sponsorship. And until next time, folks, we'll see you. Yeah.